Welcome to the Living Leadership Podcast, equipping leaders to live in Christ joyfully and serve Him faithfully. Thank you for tuning in to the Living Leadership Podcast. My name is Paul Coulter, and this is the fourth part in a little series entitled Love Your Leaders. In the first episode, we thought about the who, the how, and the what of Christian leadership. Then in the second episode, we honed in on 1 Timothy 5, where we learnt about appointing and sustaining and removing Christian leaders. Then in the last episode, we looked at 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 and 13, where we learnt that the attitude we should have to our leaders is respect, esteem, and love. But of course, that attitude should not stay internal. It has to work out in actions. And to think about that, we're going to look at one verse in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 17. It says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now again, as we've seen in the other two passages that we've looked at in this series, we've always seen a threefold thing, and I see three concepts in this verse that we're going to look at in turn, submission, obedience, and making their work a joy. The first verb in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, the Greek pethesthe, is translated obey in the English Standard Version that I've been reading from, but the NIV renders it as have confidence in. Elsewhere in the New Testament, the word more often means to be persuaded or convinced. Indeed, the same word is used in the next verse, Hebrews 13 verse 18, when the writer says we are sure that we have a clear conscience. Perhaps the most famous verse containing this word is Romans 8 verse 38, where the Apostle Paul says he is persuaded that nothing can separate us from the God's love in Christ Jesus. Now, there are a few other places where English versions translate the word as obey, the way it has been in Hebrews 13. So you'll find that in Romans 2 verse 8, Galatians 5 verse 7, and James 3 verse 3. But the kind of obedience in view in these situations, in all of those verses, is obedience that flows from being convinced or persuaded. Even if in the case of James chapter 3, it's the persuasion of a bit in the horse's mouth, it's not gentle persuasion. So returning to Hebrews 13 verse 17, We're not being called to blind obedience. What we're being called to is trust in our leaders. The command does imply that we will obey them, but its focus is on the relationship of confidence we have in them. The challenge is to allow ourselves to be persuaded by them, to be teachable, not to do what they say simply because they say it, but to listen to them and to have confidence in their judgment and so to comply with their decisions. Now, it should be obvious from the context 
that this can only be said because these are the kind of leaders who can be trusted. They are diligent in keeping watch over the souls of God's people. They know that they're accountable to God. Such leaders should be listened to. Their words will have weight with those they lead. They will be persuasive and influential. Of course, a godly leader will be careful to ensure he or she does not misuse this influence. Leaders who know they are accountable to God will work hard to learn the limits of their authority. They will distinguish assiduously between God's words and their own words. They'll call people to obedience to the word of God, but they'll respect the conscience of their people concerning the words and ideas that come from the leaders that aren't explicitly from the word of God. They'll know that their responsibility before God is to guide people towards faithful obedience to him. And they will, of course, have to make decisions that are needed to keep the church united and working as one. But this is a different kind of authority than when they teach the word of God. And the difference should be evident. As Paul tells Titus, they will declare what scripture teaches, exhorting and rebuking people with all authority, not allowing anyone to disregard them. That's Titus 2 verse 15. But when they're sharing their best judgment about what is wise for the church, where there's no clear biblical command, they'll have a different tone of voice. They won't say that with the same strength and the same weight. Now, we're dealing here really with the issue of avoiding and dealing with misuses of power and leadership. And for more on that, I commend to you the Living Leadership book, Powerful Leaders, by my colleague Marcus Honeyset. So, all of that is true that we need leaders who understand that. But for now, assume that we're thinking about the kind of leaders described in Hebrews 13 people who have stepped up to the mark to assume responsibility for God's people. They've done it not for personal gain. I mean, after all, the previous generation of leaders in that church had been imprisoned and possibly executed for their service of Christ. So there is no uh, worldly gain to be had. Now, these people have done it with an awareness of their accountability to God. They're working hard at teaching, guiding, and watching over the church. Such godly leaders should be regarded highly, and if we regard them highly, we will be readily persuaded by them. This concept is profoundly countercultural in the 21st century West, where autonomy is prized above all, and we're conditioned to be suspicious of every authority. Yet there is a great blessing in trusting your leaders. If they've been appointed through a good process, and if they're actively seeking accountability, then why would we not? It is for our good and theirs that we default to trusting them, and so to doing what they ask. They, for their part, will always seek to explain their reasoning, and insofar as possible. They will be as transparent as they can be without breaching confidentiality. For the most part, they'll explain how a decision was reached, what factors they considered, and how they reached the settled position. They will also be open to reasonable adjustments, 
to plans as they review their outcomes. If leaders act this way, it will be much easier for those they lead to trust them on those rare occasions when they cannot be transparent about all their reasons for a decision. For example, because a pastorally sensitive case influenced them. We need to work hard at our attitude to respect, esteem and love our leaders so that we can trust them. We must put cynicism to death. We must not set unrealistic expectations of our leaders either. We must work with them as they work with us. Now the second verb in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 is submit. The Greek word behind it, hypikete, is found here only in in this place in the New Testament. In the other places where submission is commanded, for example, Ephesians chapter 5, a different word, hypotasso, is used. That word can also be translated be subject to. It literally means to place under. Now that, in Ephesians 5 and elsewhere, is a strong word and a challenging concept in our culture to place myself under someone and be subject to them. But the word in Hebrews 13 is stronger still. It means literally to yield under. So whilst hypotasso could mean subjection without obedience, hypokaite means giving way and following the other person's lead. Together with the first verb in Hebrews 13, 17, this is a clear picture of obedience. It's worth noticing that some English translations unhelpfully add the words their authority as the thing we should submit to in Hebrews 13:17. But there's no reference in the Greek to authority. As in the first verb, this is not submission and obedience to a position, but to people. The writer is not expecting his readers to do what they're told simply because those who tell them hold an office. But he's telling them to gladly submit to them and to obey them in trusting relationship. They submit because they're persuaded and they are persuaded because they trust. These are leaders who are among and over God's people. They are recognised as older and wiser and those they lead gladly yield to their guidance. Now the challenge for leaders should be clear again. How can they expect people to respond in this way if they're not actively engaged in loving, caring relationship with them? But if they are, then those who follow should be glad to yield to them. The alternative is a constant battle of wills and that's a huge distraction from the God-given purpose of the church and immensely wearying. And the third idea in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, follows closely from the second. If failure to submit and to obey is wearying and distracting for all believers, it has a particular effect on the leaders. It makes their work burdensome and causes them to groan. Not necessarily verbalised groans and grumbles, but a heartache and mental struggle that grinds them down. That's not what we want in our leaders. 
Here are people who have devoted themselves to God's service. They work hard at studying and teaching God's word. They set a worthy example of godliness and give wise guidance to the church. They are careful in watching over the souls of those in their care, lovingly supporting and instructing them. And our response is to be insubordinate and unruly, pushing our own agendas and seeking our own sense of satisfaction. We turn the church these leaders love into a project for our own comfort? That's not how it should be. If we weary our leaders in this way, it should be no surprise that they will burn out and others will give up. A word about the impact on the leader's spouse is also in order. I've seen many times how the constant discouragement a leader faces weighs on the leader's spouse. Since it's men that I mentor directly, I can be more specific. When those men are burdened with the complaints, criticisms, moans and demands of people who will not submit, their wives will be affected. Perhaps because the husband shares with her, that's not wrong at all, although it's often hard for her to bear. Or perhaps it's simply because she sees that the joy has gone out of ministry for him. Unless she is a woman of great resolve, she's likely to encourage him to leave ministry out of love for him. Or to put around himself boundaries that are meant to protect him, but which can sometimes stop him from loving others well. In the worst cases, she might even walk out. Ministry is meant to be joyous. Like all Christians, leaders, of course, should find joy supremely in the Lord. Think about what Paul says in Philippians. The Lord never disappoints. When we focus on him and his work for us, joy will rise. And that joy is not merely an emotion. It's a deep-seated contentment and conviction that all is well. It is gratitude overflowing. It is grace appreciated. This joy comes from knowing that we're accepted by God in Christ. It's a consequence of his actions. But it can be robbed from us by discouragements, especially when they come from within the church. The fact is that we need encouragement. That's how God has wired us. And leaders need encouragement too. That doesn't mean we should follow them simply to keep them happy. Indeed, that could be disastrous both for the church and for the leaders. But it does mean that members of the church should do what they can to restore and sustain joy in their leaders. Not to do so will be destructive for both leaders and ourselves. Now, how can you bring joy to your leaders? Of course, in the immediate context, the answer is to obey them willingly. But I'm sure you can think of other ideas, thanking them, or even better, thanking God for them. Little acts of kindness that show them you care. A smile and a pat on the back, urging them on, appreciating them and showing them the esteem we hold them in. Feeding back to them about how their teaching has influenced our thinking and how obedience to it has changed our lives. Discouragement from people who are difficult to lead is not the only cause of burnout and dropout amongst leaders, but it is a major contributory factor. If we want to see leaders sustained in a lifetime of service, we must do what we can to make their work a joy 
we must be easy to lead. So in conclusion, this episode has focused on the actions that we need to take towards our leaders, obeying them, submitting them, and being easy to lead, and so making their work a joy. That's the conclusion of a a little series on loving our leaders. I began in the first episode by thinking about what leaders are, spiritual leaders in the church. We thought about who they are. They are elders and leaders, how they should serve in relationship to God among and over us, and what they should do, equipping God's people by teaching, guiding, and watching over their souls. So three things that a leader should do, and of course in all of this we've looked at three passages of Scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 12 and 13, 1 Timothy 17, uh, chapter 5 verse 17, and Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17. In the second episode we honed in on 1 Timothy 5, and there we saw uh, the right appointments in leadership, some ideas about appointing leaders, about sustaining leaders through double honour, and about removing leaders where that's necessary. And then in the third episode, we looked at the right attitudes from 1 Thessalonians 5, and we saw that we should respect and esteem and love our leaders. And in this episode, we've said that we should obey, submit, and make their work a joy. It's vital that we appoint the right people as leaders, not laying hands on anyone hastily. It's vital that we sustain the right people in leadership by giving them double honour because we have the right attitude and take the right actions. It's also vital that we handle accusations against leaders correctly. When we have godly leaders in place who work hard in tasks that God has given them, We must develop the right attitude of respect, esteem and love and from that attitude act properly towards them, trusting them, obeying them and bringing them joy. This is to God's glory and for our good. So let's love our leaders. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Living Leadership Podcast. We hope what you've heard today spurs you on in your walk with the Lord. If you're encouraged by today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend or colleague or leaving us a review on your podcast app of choice to help others find us. If you'd like to engage further with us on anything we've discussed today, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on any major social media application at Living Leaders or you can visit our website www.livingleaders.com livingleadership.org where you'll find even more support and resources to help you live in Christ joyfully and serve him faithfully. Blessings.